2: Underway. Welcome into the Action Network Podcast. I'm your host today, Brendan Glasheen, and I'm joined by Action NFL experts Brandon Anderson and Jill Galant. Both of these guys will be joining me this trio for a weekly Monday NFL recap episodes that will air all season long during the NFL season. We'll recap the Sunday action, look ahead to Monday Night Football, and then also give our look-ahead hot read picks for the week ahead. So we're off and running. Season begins two weeks from today as we record this episode. Today's show is a special one, folks. The Action Network's annual NFL Awards Best Bets episode. Can't wait to get into it. Uh, We'll tee up Brandon Anderson first since he's been with Action for a while. Jill is new to the team and... Pretty soon, Jill, I won't be saying that, but just to give folks an understanding that you're new to the team, but you've done a great job coming over from FTM. But Brandon, special time of year for you specifically. Uh, you, you dive into this and we'll go through your historical context, but it's a fun time of year to, to be to discuss this stuff.
1: Yeah, this is one of my favorites. Uh, the preseason, you know, we're all we're all undefeated right now. So anyone can win every award. Any team can win the Super Bowl You get to dream a little bit and you get to really sprinkle on some of these long shots and get your futures in. I'm the futures specialist, so we'll be playing a few of the favorites here, but a lot more of the underdogs, the long shots, get to build your portfolio and get fired up for the season. And this is my first time talking football on a podcast since the Super Bowl one. So I am chomping at the bit and ready to go. A
0: natural progression because i think
1: with the off season
0: we can manifest a lot of crazy long shots in our head because of the fact that it is preseason and we haven't seen that week one result that's going to just eventually kick us in the throat and make us realize wait a minute that was maybe the wrong read but i think that's the best part about betting on preseason betting in the futures market is that we can come up with a lot of really good ideas and we can really uh really deliver on a salesman aspect here and be able to give some good options A lot to
2: get to on this episode. We'll get to offensive and defensive rookie of the year, coach of the year in the NFL. That's always fascinating because, well, it might not necessarily go to the best team, but the coach that does the best job, of course, comeback player of the year. That's always fascinating. The great story typically in the NFL, offensive and defensive players of the year. So that's all on the table. We will spend the majority of this episode, though, off the top on the most valuable player in the NFL. The last nine NFL MVPs have been a top two seed in the NFL playoffs in each of their respective conferences. That's typically how it goes based on the last decade Brandon Anderson, before we get into picks, and we'll do this throughout the episode, folks, getting into each discussion on these awards. Brandon will give us historical context on what else typically plays out when it comes to, we'll start with MVP.
1: Yeah, so really, the truth is we all know who the MVP is. We know that it is a quarterback's award, and we know that it is a winner's award. Really, that's it. You need to be a quarterback. 14 of the last 15 MVPs have been quarterbacks. Adrian Peterson, the only exception, the last non quarterback or running back was Lawrence Taylor in 1986. So it is a quarterback's league. You gotta be a quarterback. You gotta win games. You gotta win probably 13 plus games, average 14.1 win pace. Remember, we're on a 17 win schedule now, 17 games. And like you said, Brandon, you probably gotta be on the one seed or at least close to it. 13 of our 14 quarterbacks during the stretch have been a top two seed, and 11 of the 14 have been the one seed. So one other thing to note, too, we love repeat winners here. In that 14 stretch of quarterbacks, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, three MVPs each for each of them, and they all had one or three repeat MVPs for them. So we love our quarterbacks. We love quarterback winners. Top two in EPA, so that's something to keep an eye on as the season progresses. But, uh, yeah, we're looking for the quarterback of the winning team. It's, it's really that simple.
2: Two of those three names, of course, are still playing in the NFL, Brady and Rodgers, but I get the feeling here as we begin and dive deep into this conversation that we're going to discuss some names that have not won this award, and we're going to start with the favorite, the betting favorite right now to win MVP, Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. They are also the favorite to win the Super Bowl, so it makes a lot of sense. Josh Allen is at plus 700. I'm sure we'll also use this as a way to discuss each award, but... We'll start with you, Jill. Should we be betting the favorite? Should Josh Allen at this number, at plus 700 right now as we sit here today, should we be betting Josh
0: Allen? Not at this stage. Um, the part of the thing, too, with the, the MVP market is such a week-to-week movement, and even just like a two- or three-game stretch, you could see odds very, very heavily. You know, even last year, Josh Allen was at a point where he was a favorite, and then near the latter part of the season, he started to see Buffalo struggle a little bit, and then he was back in the conversation by the time we got to week 14 and week 15. Why I'm saying that is, is that if you play your cards right and you hold out a little bit longer, you may be able to get that favorite at much better. Better odds
2: Brandon Anderson you have a follow-up thought on that
1: yeah I agree look Buffalo has the first game of the season but they're at Los Angeles the Super Bowl champion Rams and you could be on the first game of the season you could be 0-1 for again an award that you want to have a guy that's going to win 13-14 games so you might have a chance to on opening night after the first game get Josh Allen at a better number already if you wait the Bills open with the Rams Titans Dolphins, Ravens, Steelers, Chiefs. That's a tough opening schedule. There's a very good chance you're going to get a buy low spot in there if you do want Allen. And I think, too, there's the narrative with Allen is like, well, he's close. He, he's the next guy. You know, he had the big playoff run. He finished second a couple of years ago. And we kind of think like, well, he's the next guy up. With MVPs, what my research showed is we don't really do it that way. If you are Brady, Peyton, Rodgers, just keep on winning a lot of times. But if you think of these guys like Matt Ryan, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, we've had in the last decade, four guys that won MVP who never got another vote any other year for MVP. It's like a one hit wonder. You gave it your shot and you're out. And I do wonder if there's a chance Josh Allen already had his MVP season and just didn't win it that year, that maybe that was the best that we'll get from him as far as MVP voting. So I, I think it's a no bet at where we're at right now.
2: It's an excellent point. I'm glad you brought that up. The Rams, of course, are home. They are reigning Super Bowl champions. So they host the Buffalo Bills in just a couple of weeks. It's a great point. And I think with this sport, especially the way the schedule builds is a big factor into how you handicap a, a prospective uh, future ticket. So let's get into some picks and how we look at the market now in this preseason before the year begins. Uh, Joe Gallant, we'll start
0: with you. Who is your MVP pick as of today? I'm going to have to go with another LA squad, but it's the Los Angeles chargers. I'm going with Justin Herbert, really a natural progression of his career. Uh, He finished last season, second in total passing yards, 38 touchdowns, 15 interceptions. That latter stat is a little bit of a, making me a little bit leery about it, but this is the reason being is a quarterback. Hasn't won MVP with more than 10 interceptions since Peyton Manning in 2013. Now he also threw 55 touchdowns that year. So you actually, you, have to like break a record if you're still going to have 10 interceptions. I don't want to kind of put that kind of level on Herbert. But that being said, I don't think it's a coincidence as well that four of the top five options for MVP odds in Brady, Mahomes, Herbert, Josh Allen, they were also the top four quarterbacks in total pass attempts in 2021. So for me, that's the kind of direction that I'll be looking at is where are these passing offenses coming from? And I also think the Chargers as well, because of how the AFC West is stacked, If they win that division, that's just going to elevate his status. So especially with his win totals, you know, the Chargers sitting at around 10 and a half, depending on the book. So Justin Herbert is my best bet to win MVP in 2022.
2: Oh, and Brandon Staley will will give us some favors too. They'll go for it on fourth down inside their own 20. And if he completes those, it it helps his case. Uh, So thank you, Brandon Staley, in advance. If Justin Herbert is an MVP candidate in late December, we'll stay in the AFC West, Brandon.
1: Yeah, that's exactly it. I do like Herbert. The biggest problem for me is I like Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs a little better. And you're almost certainly going to have to win your division because we know you're going to need to contend for the one or two seed. And we've got another division pick here soon. So, man, that AFC West is loaded. With Pat Mahomes, like he's kind of the boring pick. It's like, oh, yeah, okay, Mahomes. Well, we know he's good. Let's get the new exciting guy. Well, he's boring because he's great. All four seasons he's played – the Chiefs have finished top two in offensive DVOA. So they're guaranteed elite offense. Mahomes has finished top two in EPA, and they've won at least 12 games every season. They're constantly in the mix for the one seed and the AFC championship game. And he really, he only has gotten votes once in the last year since he won, but that's kind of how this goes with MVP. With guys like Brady and Rodgers, they won their MVP, and then it was a little bit of a gap. We got used to it until they were kind of due again, and I feel like that's where Mahomes is at. Look, it's, it's very simple for me. This is the best player in football. I think we basically all agree on that. He's on maybe the best team with one of the best offensive lines, the best coaching staff, maybe the best offense. It's football in the modern, modern NFL. It all lines up. And on top of it, what I love this year is you have a narrative. We didn't have a narrative the last couple of years. This year, Tyreek Hill is gone. So on the one hand, well, I'm a little worried. How will they do without Tyreek Hill? I'm not so worried. We add a lot of talent. We've got Sky Moore, the rookie there, Juju Smith-Schuster, Marcus Valdez-Scantling. There's a lot of other receivers. Travis Kelsey is still there. That was arguably the top receiver anyway for them. But now there's a narrative. Now it's like, man, Mahomes is still this good even without Tyreek Hill. You love the narrative. You love how good they are. Mahomes is great. My one hesitation, tough opening schedule. So you might be able to buy in a bit later. But really, Kansas City's schedule is tough all year. It's been tough for years. It hasn't stopped them. I love Mahomes at plus 900.
2: Three of the first four are on the road for the Kansas City Chiefs at Cardinals, Chargers, home, Colts, Bucks, then Raiders, Bills, Niners, Titans. That is how their schedule opens. Great point about Tyreek Hill. It makes me think of LeBron in the East for years using an NBA reference. If you dominate with I don't know, uh, Matthew Della Vadova is your second best player. <laughs> it, that makes you look really good. Not to say that Mahomes still has plenty of weapons, no question. So just to kind of round out this discussion, why not mention another player, another quarterback in this division, Russell Wilson, has never won this award at plus 1,400. Offensive coach for the first time in his career. He's got Nathaniel Hackett as his head coach this season, coming over from Green Bay. You have also have a situation where they're getting a little slightly banged up. He's got a great offensive line, a better offensive line than he may, he may ever have in his career in Denver. So I thought it was worth mentioning, your boy here has got a ticket on Russell Wilson. And that's why I wanted to jump in on the conversation. But I think what we all can agree on, though, is if you've got to win this division, though. I think the, the, the division winner of these three, Herbert, Mahomes, Wilson, they in all likelihood, they would emerge as the betting favorite if indeed they have a two-game lead going into December, for instance, possibly.
1: What you like about Denver, too, is the Broncos start with Seattle and Houston the first two weeks. Russell Wilson just got over there. That is a great chance to go 2-0, bam, two huge wins out of the gates and get everyone talking. And you love to be the front runner. You might get a cash-out opportunity. You also get the Jets and the Jaguars in the first half of the season. Russell Wilson traditionally has been a really good first-half quarterback. Uh, he hasn't been this great late. And I'm not so sure how it holds up when the schedule tightens up and all those division games come in. I think we all three would agree, whoever comes out of this division is going to have a quarterback that is absolutely on the MVP bow at the very least. It's just which one will it be?
0: Yeah, Brendan, I was going to say with the divisional aspect, Basically, if you're looking at it and comparing it to divisional odds, like right now you have the Chiefs around like plus 140, plus 150. You have the Chargers around plus 225, Broncos around plus 450, and then you've got the Raiders coming in last, uh, even though as great as a team they are at plus 650. All I was saying is that if you think one of those teams is going to win that division, you might as well just take their MVP odds for the quarterback because of how highly regarded this division is entering this season. How about some long shots at this uh, for this award? It's mostly quarterbacks.
2: Again, as we said off the top, you've got Lamar, Kyler, Jalen Hurts, Derek Carr, speaking of this division, Trey Lance, if he pops in his first year as a full-time starter, Matt Ryan, new home, Kirk Cousins, an offensive coach. Then we have Jonathan Taylor, who we can't discount what he means. Maybe he has the Adrian Peterson campaign of about a decade ago. If Trevor Lawrence has a year or two leap, If Derrick Henry is as healthy as we think he is after having his season, uh, not cut short, but uh, slightly hindered by the end. How about a long shot from Brandon? Then we'll go to Jill.
1: Yeah, I'll give you two quick hits real quick. And they're very similar cases. I want my long shot coming out of the NFC. That's where the conference is much more open. Mm -hmm. I've got similar cases. I like Hertz and I like Lance Lance a little better because we're getting 4,000 40 to one there. It's a sophomore season leap. We've seen that from a lot of guys. Cal Shanahan gets the best out of his quarterbacks. We don't know what Trey Lance will be yet, but we've seen what he's done with Jimmy Garoppolo, with Kirk cousins, with other guys in the past, he elevates them to those elite EPA type numbers. And if you can do that with Trey Lance and then add in the rushing, add in San Francisco as a threat to win the division, maybe come out of the NFC. I like that there. I, I like that, but actually a little better than Russell Wilson. I think it's a similar sort of case in the excitement factor, but you're second in the division instead of third. You've got a little less competition there. Jalen Hurts, a little bit more open division. Again, similar case. Both these guys are going to add in the running stats. So you get a little bit of a discount on the stats you need, more of the Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson type season. And it's effectively year two for him as well, since hadn't started is a rookie. Eagles have the easiest schedule. Those are my two NFC sleepers. So Hurts at 25 to one, Lance 40 to one. I like those for long shots. I like those
0: picks too. Yeah, I'm going to, I was initially looking at Derek Carr. But at 25 to one or even 30 to one, depending on the book, honestly, those odds just aren't correlating to a potential result when you look at their win total and their divisional odds. Whereas you look at the Ravens, on the other hand, with Lamar Jackson sitting around 20 to one. They are favored to win the AFC North and they're not going to have that type of injury luck like they had last season. Like he missed five games last year. The Ravens were one and four in those games. They were eight and three, like before they the injury uh, that he suffered, like when he was playing Cleveland last year as well, just from an odds tracking standpoint, entering the season, he had 12 to one odds to win MVP before he got hurt and he was plus 800. So sitting right now at 20 to one for a former MVP, especially like he's still in his prime. I think that's a pretty solid value.
2: OK, let's move on. So a great discussion on most valuable player. Let's move on to offensive rookie of the year. Brandon, what's the lay of the land as it
1: pertains to history and who typically wins this award? So rookie of the year, it's best if we can get a quarterback. So it to be tough this year. This was a really weak quarterback draft. But nine of the last 18 rookies of the year offensively were quarterbacks. Two of the last three, three of the last six, basically about half of them. Uh, Out of those 18, three receivers, six running backs. So it's a bit spread out. This is more a stats thing than a winning thing. Out of our last 12 rookies of the year, only three of them won 10 games. In fact, over half of them were under 500 that season. So this is not about you got to come in and immediately transform your team. We just care about putting up some numbers. Get your volume, get your numbers. One other thing that I noted, very likely got to be a first round pick. 15 of our last 18 rookies of the year were first-round picks. In fact, 14 of the 18 were top-12 picks. Wow. So we are not shooting too far down the draft order. Turns out we know who's good. That's why they're getting drafted that high. You get drafted that high, you're getting playing time a little bit more out of the gates. you have probably going to a team that needs a little more help from you. So it's fun to look down the list. This is an interesting draft, though, because this was more of an open and a more defensive draft. So it, it's a tough a tough year for this one.
2: The elephant in the room too, about your point about preferably a quarterback comes down to Mike Tomlin's decision. If it's going to be Kenny Pickett, because if it's Kenny Pickett and Pittsburgh with those weapons, their offensive line is extremely shaky. There's no doubt about that. But if you believe in Mike Tomlin, always a winning season with Mike Tomlin as the head coach and the way they draft receiver in Pittsburgh, if Kenny Pickett, even if he doesn't start week one, if he gets in there by week two or three, maybe there's an opportunity to buy in, On Kenny Pickett Uh, but I get the feeling the more sure thing now as we discuss today uh, we're not going to head quarterback so we'll start with Jill Uh, who do you like for offensive rookie of the year
0: yeah and I mean it really does just talking about the Steelers it really does depend about how we see Mitch Trubisky and how he performs because there's a lot of offseason talk and he has mentioned in press conferences that he is going to be the starter Take that with a grain of salt, yeah. Um, so I'm going with a pair of wide receivers that are, I'm going to hitch my wagon to a pair of wide receivers that with quarterbacks I trust. So, first one is going to be Sky Moore at 12 to 1. One of the reasons I was looking at is just the way that rookies have performed in this offense. So, if you look back, even just with McCall Hardman, not quite the same skill set, but as a rookie scored seven touchdowns in this offense. He's gotten rave reviews from the coaching staff. He'll likely have an elevated role as the season goes on. Um, Casey, again, is something I alluded to at the top, top five in passing attempts as well. I think he's worth a look at 12 to one. And now somebody who's near and dear to my heart, We're going to go with Jalen Tolbert sitting right now around 25 to one. He's expected to be wide receiver two out of the gate. Um, It's an offense that's likely going to have to pass more as a result of the recent news that we heard about Tyron Smith Mm. and how the run game may suffer as well. And he's replacing the Cedric Wilson role. And Cedric Wilson, he wouldn't get a nice deal in Miami in the offseason, but he had 45 catches and six touchdowns really has the wide receiver three in this offense let's be real and Michael Gallup he's expected to miss around week one maybe week two depending on how uh that uh injury progresses and it could be longer if that injury flares up so I really like Jalen Tolbert a 25 to 1 Sky Moore 12 to 1. Mike McCarthy too is a play
2: caller I wonder too a lot of this probably had to do with Aaron Rodgers, but sometimes you'd get a receiver that came out of nowhere in Green Bay and Maybe some of the credit goes to McCarthy. Most of it goes to Rodgers, but maybe a receiver pops, especially with Amari Cooper now in Cleveland. Brandon Anderson, who do you like for Offensive Rookie of the Year at this stage?
1: Yeah, I agree with you, Brandon. I, I think that Pickett is probably the right play at some point, but I don't think he's the right play right now because yeah. his odds are really only going to go down as he likely doesn't start these first few weeks or you know, even into October potentially. So I do want to get a position on him later. So I think right now you want to be light in this market But the guy I like is, if you played fantasy football, you know this name well already, Brees Hall. He's the guy that is the number one fantasy pick in any rookie draft, running back for the Jets. He put up monster numbers. He is the clear best rookie running back here. Doesn't really fit my profile that well, I'll admit, because he's not a first-round pick. He was four picks later, and he's a running back. We haven't had as many of those lately. That used to be where we went here. But I'm taking a shot here. He had 46 touchdowns the last two years in college. It's a big market, so we know if he does well, New York, you're going to get some attention there. Offense should be a lot better. Mike LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, actually did pretty well with really not a lot of talent last year. The line is a lot better. The receivers are getting better. Let's be honest, Zach Wilson can hardly get worse when he does play. So Football Outsiders loves Brees Hall. They compared him to a Dalvin Cook, LaDainian Tomlinson level of prospect. That also clues us into his all-around usage. He's a receiver. He's a runner. He can get the touchdowns. He fits what a rookie of the year running back looks like. So 12-1. to I don't love it. I still want to get some other positions later on, but I'm going to start with Brees Hall.
2: Well, Zach Wilson's injury, also Robert Sala, a lot of noise around his job security. Perhaps there is more attention to running the football, ball control, control the clock here out of the gate for the Jets so they're not completely falling on their faces by say the month of October, we move on to Defensive Rookie of the Year. Brandon, historically, what do we need to know about this award and who typically emerges?
1: So what's interesting about Defensive Rookie of the Year is it's one of the very few award races here where you actually want to bet on one of the favorites. We haven't said that about the others. MVP recently getting long shots. Rookies of the Year are getting long shots. Defensive Rookie of the Year, seven of the last 10 were plus nine plus 900 or shorter at the start of the season. And that's because, again, we identify the right talent at the top of the draft. Every defensive rookie of the year this century has been a top 40 draft pick. Every single one of them, 19 of 22 in the first round, again, 18 of them in the top 15. So we are really limiting that these guys at the top. They're getting playing time right away. They're playing. And the thing that you we're wanting lately, again, not winning. You don't have to come in and win right away, but flashy plays, especially do you get after the passer? Do you create some sacks? Six of our last defensive rookie of the years had seven or more sacks. And that works really well this year's draft because we had some big time pass rushers right at the top.
2: Yeah, and he can even sing Michael Jackson if you've watched Hard Knocks. So you're, you're in <laughs> on Aiden Hutchinson.
1: I am, yeah. Aiden Hutchinson, number two pick in the draft. Five of the last 11 rookies of the year defensively were top three picks. That's about half of them. Hutchinson was the guy they weren't expected to go number one. He had 14 sacks last year. Hard knocks, you know, he's he's in the, the culture conversation already. Also, I noted too, the Big Ten has actually won five of the last six defensive rookies of the year. So I don't know if that's a thing. Maybe that's just noise, but certainly doesn't hurt my cause here. Plus 450. I don't bet a lot of favorites, but... Aiden Hutchinson at 450. We know Trayvon Walker is raw, the number one pick. He might take some time. We know Kayvon Thibodeau, the other guy up there, is, is injured and he's going to be out to start the year. But I think you can get any of those three guys. I wouldn't mind getting a couple of them, but I'll start with just Hutchinson alone at 450. I think he's a good one.
2: Sometimes I forget when we now move on to to coach of the year. It's like, oh yeah, we can talk about coaches in a positive way in this sport (laughs) typically it's like oh let's bet on the coach or coaches that are going to get fired because it's always about half a dozen sometimes seven or eight that get fired and it's probably going to happen again because these owners in this league they've got no patience and understandably so they want to contend in the most popular sport in north america coach of the year brandon anderson what do we need to know about this award and what the track record is
1: so this is really a most improved award. This is not about the best coach. Otherwise, Bill Belichick would just be like a 10-time coach of the year award. So this is a who improved the most. Coach of the year basically wins about four more games than last year, sometimes way more than that, but at least four more. Usually you're jumping to 10 or more wins, likely winning the division title. That's where all the numbers tell us where coach of the year has gone. And more recently three of our last five coaches of the year were first year coaches on their team, not necessarily first year in the league, but a fresh face. You come in, you take a bad team, you turn it around. We notice you and we give you our coach of the year vote.
2: Joe Gallant, that leads to your pick. That It
0: kind of fits all the criteria Brandon just laid out. Yeah, absolutely. And I was going to just add to what Brandon was saying because Brandon Staley is the favorite right now, again, this year, and he was the fave last year. And I get, I feel like if this was the award for Brandon, most inspiring like post-game speech like yeah him and mike tomlin they're going to be co-favorites but staley and just the volatility of this i'm not going to take a favorite right off the hop on that uh although i would say tomlin at 28 to 1 if he could somehow win 10 games with mitch trubisky at quarterback just name the award after him after that so i'm going to go with doug peterson of the jacksonville jaguars at 18 to 1 and again the most improved mainly because of opportunity only three wins last year playing in a weaker division. I'm not going to say it's the weakest, but definitely a weaker division in the league um, playing the AFC West though. It will be a little bit of a gauntlet, but if they can come out of those games, even at two and two, again, that'll carry more weight from a win standpoint, Jacksonville average, like the lowest points per game in the league, 14.9. He's an offensive coach. If we can even get that points per game to even 21, just 21 points. That's a huge win for his candidacy. They were also last in turnover differential. That doesn't usually repeat year over year. So I think Doug Peterson is in a great spot at 18 to one to be able to boost this team to, I don't know, eight, nine wins. That's enough. You didn't even mention like Urban
2: Meyer. You can't get much worse than that. (laughs) Like how that whole went, that whole story went, right? I mean, you can't, you can't, that's rock bottom. Comeback player of the year and coach of the year at the same time. You know, that could be the case. (laughs) for sure. So so finally it, at least it feels like a former quarterback had success with Nick Foles for crying out loud to a Super Bowl run. Feels Doug Peterson has provides a little stability for Trevor Lawrence. Brandon Anderson, where are you looking in this market coach of the year?
1: Yeah, so I want to sprinkle a few guys that fit my profile. I'm just looking for betting my sleepers here basically. So I like Philadelphia, I like Minnesota and I like Denver. I'm going to just play all three of their coaches. Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia is a second year guy. Really Transformed that team last year. Their offense in the middle of the year took a big leap. Jalen Hurts, we talked about earlier, as a breakout guy. Eagles have the softest schedule in the league. I like them. Sorry, Jill, in the division with the Tyron Smith injury, especially. So I like Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni is twenty to one. Kevin O'Connell, Minnesota, twenty to one as well. Tougher division because you got Green Bay there, but we'll see what he can do with the offense. And then back to your Russell Wilson pick, Brandon. I like Nathaniel Hackett in Denver. If the Broncos do come out of that division, they've got that soft early start. He's at plus 1600. So you play all three of those together, you're basically getting Philly, Minnesota, Denver at plus 550 if you put all three of them. So I just want to get a few sprinkles on sleeper upside here.
2: Of all the names we've just mentioned, another theme that and this, this might not, you might not be able to find this historically in the last 15 years, even maybe 10 years, they're all offensive coaches. And that's where the league is now, right? All offensive coaches with some promise at the quarterback position, especially, you know, Kirk Cousins has never had an offensive coach in his career. Trevor Lawrence has never had security since he was in at Clemson. Jalen Hurts uh, comes from a great program scoring points. Uh, Sirianni, offensive coach, former quarterbacks coach, receivers coach, offensive coordinator in Indianapolis. Nathaniel Hackett, success he had with, uh, with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So I think that all makes sense too. They're all offensive coaches. I think that matters in today's NFL. We move on to comeback player of the year. It feels to me, speaking of quarterbacks that fit a lot of these, these awards, you don't have the Dak, Joe Burrow, where you, you really felt at that point, it, it, at some point last year, but by, by down the stretch, the final three, four weeks of the season, it was a two man race. It came down to those two guys and just what narratives and what story felt bigger. And of course, you, you know, Cincinnati reaching the Super Bowl. That, of course, is not factor into it, but it elevates the the, the Joe Burrow story and, Dallas kind of, you know, falling on its face quite literally when they couldn't snap the ball. Anywho, the profile on comeback player of the year this season and what it maybe how years pass, Brandon, how does it, how does it play out?
1: Yeah, you nailed it. We're looking at a quarterback award. Usually 10 of our last 14 comeback player of the year were quarterbacks and it's a story award. This is about narrative. Like we talk about narrative with the other ones. Comeback player of the year is entirely a narrative. Holy cow. We counted you for dead. You're injured. We yeah. traded you. We, we left you where nobody cared anymore. You're back, baby. What's the story? You need a story here. So, you know, that's obviously Joe Burrow, Dak Prescott, really easy stories to tell last year. I agree. The story is not quite as easy this year. But one other thing I did note here, most of these comebacks are from injury, pretty major injury usually. So 10 of our last 14, I would qualify as coming back from some sort of injury and you got to win. You can't just be a fun story. 13 of our last 14 winners made the playoffs and 13 of them won nine or more games. So it's got to be more than a story. And that's where it gets a little trickier this year because some of those, like you said, Brandon, the quarterbacks that seem to stand out here, a Baker Mayfield, Jameis Winston, the guys who are near the top of the odds. Well, are they going to win enough to capture our hearts with the right story?
2: For sure. And not only capture our hearts, but time is not on their side. If it doesn't start well for Baker, who's to say Matt rule, a desperate coach on the hot seat. Let's go to Sam Darnold. I mean, my job's on the line Baker We're not paying you. So thank you very much. Didn't work out. So be it. Jameis, you started off great last year. We feel for you, but you know, we're we're already, we're already sort of rebuilding on offense here in new Orleans. We're we're all set. Thank you very much. Uh, Before we get to uh, Brandon's pick
0: Jill, who do you like comeback player of the year this season? Yeah. Just to go more with what Brandon was saying, like sure. obviously looking at quarterbacks, like Marcus Mariota, like sitting there around, you know, 18, maybe 20 to one, depending on the book, pretty much discarded from the league. Like for since 2019, like if he somehow gets the Atlanta Falcons, this roster to like eight or nine wins, Again, locked and loaded because, again, this team is projected four or five wins at best. Mm-hmm. Uh, same thing, Mitch Trubisky, as we were talking about, if he was somehow to do that. But again, I would probably more lean to Tomlin's coach of the year candidacy more than Trubisky's comeback player of the year aspect. So if we're based on talent and upside, I'm going Christian McCaffrey. I know we're going to buck the trend here about quarterbacks, but he's going to be given so much opportunity. And again, it's not a coincidence. Like he's being taken in the top two picks in every fantasy draft. He's consensus pick there. Injuries are always a concern. I mean, we said the same thing. And look, Derek Henry is the favorite right now for this award. And he's coming off a pretty devastating foot injury as well. So I'm going to look at Christian McCaffrey because, again, just what his talent and upside is, the stats that he can rack up, he'll just have much more of an impact than, say, a Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, or even a Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Platter. What do you got for us, Brandon?
1: Yeah, this is a tough one because I want a quarterback here. I like Jill said, there are some other quarterbacks that could sneak in and win this award here. Even the guy that I want, I'm just going to give you a name here. I have not seen him at a book. I want Matt Ryan. Show me some Matt Ryan odds. I know the dude did not get injured. He basically never has, but he kind of fits the, the profile of a past winner where we gave up on him. We trade him away, but the Colts are in that pretty easy division. They have a good chance to win 10, 11, 12 games. Maybe they're much better without Carson Wentz this year. Just a chance to, you know, suddenly the Colts are a two or three seed in the AFC. and looking pretty solid. And it's like, hey, Matt Ryan, we're not going to give him another MVP, but hey, guy's doing pretty well, you know? So I'm looking for him, maybe even a Lamar Jackson. Like I'm waiting here because I think I need a quarterback later. And I don't think it's those top guys, but we'll see who it could be. If if you want to make the grossest bet that you could make (laughs) this year, Deshaun Watson is 250 to one out there. If you just want to wait around, hope the Browns just stay afloat, and then you get Watson just red hot in those last six weeks. It's your money, not mine.
2: (laughs) Okay, we are still moving our way through our NFL season preview, one of our episodes here on the Action Network podcast. Our NFL Awards Best Bets episode rolls on. Let's go to Offensive Player of the Year. We're not talking rookies now. We're talking the entire landscape here of offensive pieces. Who wins this award, Brandon, usually?
1: Very easy profile. Just give me the numbers. Just look at the numbers. Doesn't matter if you win. I don't need a narrative. Just give me the numbers. It used to be that running backs were the offensive players of the year, just like the modern NFL is going. This is now a passing league. Quarterbacks and receivers are winning this now. But just to give you a a taste of what the numbers you might need here, here's the average over the last 10 years of what a statistical profile is for offensive player of the year. If you're a quarterback, 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns. That's what we're looking for running back 2000 scrimmage yards and 14 touchdowns wide receiver. That's two of our last three winners, 150 catches, 1800 yards, 12 touchdowns. So you basically need to just pick someone to put up an outlandish fantasy God season. That's your offensive player of the year.
2: I want to put you on the spot as as a follow-up question, especially this season using our, our conversation about MVP. We talked about the AFC West. What are the chances? And maybe there is a historical background on this. What if it's the MVP runner up? Say it's, you know, Mahomes and Herbert or Mahomes and, and, and Wilson. They both have amazing seasons. It comes down to the final week. Kansas City emerges. So therefore, Russell Wilson gets snubbed because he just fell short to Mahomes. And the, the last thing they can turn to as a tiebreaker is, well, Mahomes won the division. So sorry, Russell Wilson. Is, does that factor in at all, especially in the AFC with all of these these quarterbacks?
1: It feels like it should, right? Like it, yeah. it's a thing that we will certainly talk about in December when it comes time to do it. But historically, it it really hasn't lived up that way. These awards are actually only 50 votes, and you get a one ballot with one name for all of these. So you don't get a second and a third place vote. You just got one name to put in here. There's no summit where we're meeting together and saying, "Well, hey, Pat Mahomes is going to be our MVP, so should we give this other award to the other guy?" Historically, actually when you have that super really elite season, the 50 touchdown season, you just win MVP and offensive player of the year. So it's actually more common for the MVP to win than for the runner up MVP to get in here. So for me, this is almost a wait and bet in season award because you almost need to see a month in two months in who is the fantasy star. We don't know yet. Otherwise you'd be winning all your leagues every year. (laughs) Who's got those huge numbers. You can predict a little bit, so we've got some flyers for you. Of course,
2: that's really good insight. Let's get into some picks.
0: We'll start with uh, with Jill. What do you got for us? Yeah, I'm taking a pair of LSU Tigers, going to be doing the gritty on this one. We're going with Justin <laughs> Jefferson at 16 to one. Uh, two seasons with Minnesota 196 balls, over 3,000 receiving yards, 18 touchdowns. Uh, it's going to come down to Kirk Cousins, really, though. Cousins thrown over 30 touchdowns in three or four seasons. And they're probably going to have to get closer to 40 touchdowns. I'd imagine win at least 10 games just to correlate for that for Jefferson to get there. But I think the yardage is there to have a big year. And then of course, Jamar chase going to try to catch the tail of the comet here. Uh, 81 catches over 1400 receiving yards, 13 touchdowns, pretty much if it wasn't Cooper cup and Jonathan Taylor, like you could make a legitimate case that Jamar chase could have won this in his rookie season. Also just to start the year, part of this is almost kind of like a CLV style play because They're playing the Steelers and Cowboys to start the year. Um, If he comes out of the gate and has 200 receiving yards and two touchdowns, like just using that as a bar metric, those odds are going to drop significantly. And you're not going to be able to get that kind of price for the rest of the year. So uh, the Burrow connection is undeniable. I think the Bengals still need to win 10 more games again this year for Chase to be considered. But at these odds, I'm willing to take a stab to find out if the Bengals were a fluke.
1: For me, really, it's about avoiding names at this stage. I'm going to avoid those guys at the top. Jonathan Taylor, Cooper Cup, Derrick Henry, Debo. The, the 20 to 1 guys are shorter. You need such a crazy outlier season to win this that it's just too hard to predict. And it, this is the time to grab the long shot, take a little nibble, and then wait a little bit longer. The, the nibble I will take is a guy that if you fall last year... We had our Tom Brady MVP tickets. Man, we were ready to cash. We had our 14 to 1 preseason on this podcast last year for MVP. We were the lead late in the year. It didn't come through for us, but Tom Brady did lead the NFL in yards and passing attempts and completions and touchdowns last year. And that is not a new thing. He was doing that the back half of the season the year before. Once they really opened the offense up, Tom Brady's going to have huge passing attempts. He's going to open it up. They've got the great receivers. He's 50 to one here. 50 to one is long enough for me to nibble, take a little bite. We know his numbers are going to put him in the mix. And then we'll just see where this goes as the season progresses.
2: And you compare it to his MVP odds. It's it's certainly a look. You're, you're getting a much better number, obviously. Hey, maybe he retires again for a week and maybe he can be in the comeback <laughs> player of the year discussion. I mean, they technically retired for like 40 days. Maybe if he takes another in-season vacation, Giselle, I mean, you could do us a favor there.
1: Uh, Yeah, the guy couldn't retire like two weeks before the end of the season and cash our MVP tickets for us. It was right there, Tom, right there.
2: (laughs) Very good. All right. Before we wrap, we've got one more award to get to. It's Defensive Player of the Year. Brandon, why don't you lay out for us how this typically
1: goes? So much like defensive rookie of the year, this is again one where you want to go with one of the favorites, actually. We don't get too creative with our defense awards. Nobody cares about defense. We just all agree on the top guys and give them the awards. So basically defensive player of the year is really just what it's called. We just say, hey, who's the best defender? Oh, it's Aaron Donald again. Let's give him the award. So we're looking for a guy, usually someone that gets after the quarterback, eight of our last 10 Defensive player of the year would be someone you qualify as a a pass rusher of sorts, depending if you count Donald for that. We also like repeat winners here because, again, we're just giving it to the best defender. So of our last 10 winners, four of them had won previously, and six of them got votes the year before. And remember, there's only 50 votes, so that is no small feat to to be a vote-getter. So you just want to basically pick who's a really good defender that everyone agrees on.
2: It's also... Kind of how you mentioned it, like you're not, you, you, no one's throwing up their arms. Like really, you're not considering somebody else. This isn't a big like, like you said. It's, well, who hasn't won it yet? Who's the shiny new toy? Who who hasn't got their MVP yet, or who hasn't received their respect yet offensively? It's such an offensive driven league that we're just like, yeah, sure, I like, give it to that guy. He, he's look at his numbers, and he's just he's doing it again. Uh, he, he just he's just going to keep winning it. Jill Gallant, what is uh, what's your pick for defensive player of the year?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I love Aaron Donald. I I think Aaron Donald deserves to be the favorite just based on the odds and implied probability. But I think voters will turn to knowing that, you know, you have Jalen Ramsey in that defense. You have Bobby Wagner as well. And that kind of maybe takes away some from some of his accomplishments. So I am going to go for a little bit of a long shot here. We're going to be taking Darius, a.k.a. Shaquille Leonard at 33 to 1. Colts are favored to win the division. They're one of the best run defenses in the NFL, top five D line in the league. They only allowed 10 rushing touchdowns last year. That was ranked second overall. It was the pass defense that really struggled like mightily last year. 32 touchdowns allowed. That was 31st in the NFL. They did sign Stephon Gilmore in the offseason. I'm hoping that should trim that down, bring it back to a league average. Um, They've got six games in 2022 that they're going to be able to just feast on uh, that were bottom five in points per game. You got the Texans, the Jags that both played them both twice. They got the Giants. You got the Commanders. And I think the casual better a lot of the time they'll look to sacks and say like TJ Watt or Miles Garrett, they're going to win it. But I think this award correlates more to team success because – The Steelers made the playoffs and the Browns didn't. And Miles Garrett was pretty much a front runner for defensive player of the year, pretty much most of the season until the back end fell out of that. So uh, Leonard again, didn't have any sacks last year, but that was because he was asked to play more in pass coverage, had four interceptions last year uh, and he could defend tight ends. It's one of the few linebackers that can do that, make splash plays, get on sports center, Shaquille Leonard, 33 to one. Let's go.
2: I get the sense, Brandon, that you're going to follow your criteria.
1: I am. I'm going with the favorites here. And this is actually my favorite pick on the entire podcast here. I want to build a foundation on two guys that I think are the two best defenders in the league. It's Aaron Donald and it's TJ Watt. TJ Watt won it last year. He's led the league in sacks twice in a row. He's finished top three in this category three years in a row. Aaron Donald, Defensive Player of the Year finishes. Here's going backwards. Third, first, fifth, first, first, fourth, second. He's finished top five and gotten votes every year. He's finished top three all but two of those years. You got the retirement tour thing. He's the Super Bowl winner. He could be the first defender ever to win four of these. People are talking about him as maybe one of the best defenders ever. We even have a little narrative award there. So Aaron Donald, T.J. Watt, if you shop around nine to one on both of those guys, those numbers are way too long. You grab both of those, you basically get plus 400 on a two-man position that are very likely to be two of the top three on the ballot at the end of the year. And I think that's a great way to set yourself up for success.
2: Love it in this league. We talk so much offense, but defensively, you have to have a shutdown corner, but also guys that get to the quarterback and disrupt some of the best guys in the league. Okay, so Brandon just gave us his best bet. You're sticking by that. You're you're, you're this this particular
1: award, Watt, Donald, get involved. That's what you're going with. That that's my favorite. That and Pat Mahomes MVP plus nine hundred. Very good, Jill. Best bet from this entire
0: show. A lot to digest, but what do you what, what stands out from all of it? I mean, I really like Justin Jefferson at sixteen to one. I really think, man, he is just emerging and just is going to become that number one option, or at least number one receiver in the league. You're seeing fantasy drafts reflect that Justin Jefferson all day. In Kirk's words, you like that, so
2: good work.
1: You like that. You like
2: that. Uh, that is going to conclude our NFL awards best bets episode here on the Action Network podcast. As a reminder. We'll have a lot of great episodes heading into our week one betting preview on September 8th. And as a reminder, as we said at the top of the show, this trio will join you all season long, every Monday recapping the previous Sunday in the NFL And it's called the Monday NFL recap episode here on the Action Network podcast. We'll recap Sunday, look ahead to Monday night briefly, and then look ahead for a hot read picks for the following week. So we're looking forward to it. We're just getting started here, this trio and here on the Action Network podcast. Coming up on the the pod here, just some things to keep on your radar. We'll have an episode for NFL Exotics season leaders also nfl pool strategy and plus uh, as an aside from football our final ufc betting episode of the season friday with our ufc paris preview for jill gallant brandon anderson brendan glassheen best of luck to all of you out there thanks for tuning in as always we will see you next time right here on the action network podcast